Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm a feminist, but I once opened a show with the line, "I wouldn't call myself a feminist because I'd like to work in breakfast television one day." <laughs> Brilliant. Which is rude to breakfast television and feminist, isn't it? I'm a feminist, but a man here in Australia this morning asked me why women would come out to see The Guilty Feminist live if they'd already seen it before. <laughs> I explained that it was different every time because it is a podcast. And I said, and I think, you know, it's just nice to be with your team, isn't it? You want to come out and be in the room with your team. And he said, ah, oh, so it's like the football. And I said, the actual words, yes, it's football for women. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware there is already football for women. It's called football. (laughs) And there's also women's football, which is football for women and men. There's a number of... All football is football for women, is what I'm saying. But in that moment, to try and explain it, I was trying to speak man... And it's possible that I veered into unfeminist territory describing my own show. A little bit, but I've got a great idea for merch. (laughs) I would like to see you wearing a T-shirt that says, Guilty Feminist is football Football for for women. women. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I only complain to my husband about ladylike ailments, like headaches and flu and yoga sprains. And not unladylike ailments, like plantar warts and UTIs and gas. Let's keep the romance alive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. I'm a feminist, but when the same man in Australia this morning continued to try to understand why women would leave the house in such large numbers to see the guilty feminist... I said, well, in some ways it's kind of tribal. And he said, oh, like the Women's March. And I said, yes, yeah, it's, it's like the Women's March, but you get to sit down and have a glass of wine. It's a really comfortable Women's March with jokes. <laughs> well, that's better merch, isn't it? It's better merch. A comfortable Women's March with jokes. It's a convenient Women's March. Because the Women's March, let's be very clear... It's brilliant. There's a great atmosphere. It's, you absolutely should always go. But there's a lot of queuing, isn't there? There's a lot of <laughs> lining up in the cold. I mean, mm. I don't know how cold it gets here in Adelaide, but in London, well, the last one, it was pissing down raining. 
I'm a feminist, but the only reason I don't identify as bisexual is because I don't like to take my clothes off in front of other women. <laughs> well, they judge more harshly. Yeah. They've got something to compare it to, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it'd be great if we weren't so distracted, you know, by the comparison. You know, like you take your clothes in front of a guy and it's like, yeah, this is what we look like. You know, you're just very confident. Yeah. You can go, this is what all of us look like. We all and look if like you, this. And if you don't think we do, you've been looking at the wrong ones. Yeah. Or not looking hard enough or looking too hard mm-hmm. or this is just how we are. And unless you've brought a friend, which, you know, don't. Well, don't. It's okay. that, definitely no. That I just don't. If I were to have a threesome, it would have to be dark. Because I can't, I can't be aroused if I'm in a comparative situation. Yes. I don't want any go compare at all going on in a sexual situation. I don't. I, and I feel like I'd need some sort of schedule, you know, for who's taking turns at which end. I, I can't be expected to find that rhythm myself first time. Well, first, no one said you had to get it right first time. That's too much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a feminist but I have been writing for 48 hours straight, so it's a combination of jet lag and lack of sleep. I had to finish the Guilty Feminist book, so when it comes out, you'll be like, we're really glad she did that for us. What I'm saying to you is, (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I've been writing for 48 hours straight, and I'm basically a wreck, and I cannot wait to get to Melbourne to get everything on my body polished, buffed, straightened, and shampooed. And I feel like if I told that man from this morning, he'd say, oh, like a car. (laughs) And I would say, yes, my body is the human version of a car that I need detailed. (laughs) That's how I would speak it in man. I'm a feminist, but I've never squatted over a mirror. (laughs) And I don't think that means I don't love myself because I love Deborah. And if she squatted over a mirror, I wouldn't look at that either. I can't believe you've evoked that image for everyone. Especially! People are now imagining that. Not until she's detailed, that's for sure. You can cut it out. Cut it out. Edit that one out. Live from the Adelaide Fringe at the Royalty Theatre, the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co host Claire Hooper, and specialist, Sir Waters, talking about This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm a bit jet-lagged, but that's, this is a good thing. We were talking about this before. I'm a bit sleep-deprived, so you censor less. You just don't have time, do you know what I mean, to do that work. So I may say things I really mean this evening. And if I do, I really mean and shouldn't say. But we'll see. We'll see. It's an exciting ride. How about you? How are you feeling? Have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? Oh! I listened to the podcast and I knew you'd ask me and I didn't prepare my answer. I would say a feminist week. Oh, what have you done? What have I done? This. I sent my children off with their father on a plane to New Zealand. No big deal. Cried heaps, whatever. Oh. 
and then, you know, got to work. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's the only way to be feminist, but for no. me, that was an yeah, important was a, statement a, to myself about how both parents are equally capable of looking after children. Even though they're not. Um, <laughs> see, now that's an no. example oh my God, of no. a thing I shouldn't have said. Shouldn't have said that. That was a jet lag course. She said that out loud, definitely. Oh, but it's true, because I was at work on Thursday... I was doing some important radio business and I kept getting texts from my husband who'd come home from the zoo, realised that he'd locked his keys inside the house. He had two toddlers with him. He'd lost their hats and then he couldn't find the keys so he couldn't get inside the house. They needed food and naps. And then he discovered that he'd left the house and left the windows wide open so he could get back into the house after all. And I'm receiving all of this on my phone whilst trying to be professional on the radio. So he lost their hats, which in Australia basically means they'll immediately get skin cancer and die. That's true. It's, you've got big holes in your ozone layer here, haven't you? Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm scared of the sun here. I genuinely am fearful of it. I try not to see any direct sunlight here. I go a bit vampiric. Um, anyway, you know, and as he texts, he's like, my own incompetence paid off and then signed off. So, uh, You trusted him with the children, as you should be able to. He is their legal guardian. I they're mean, just as much his as mine. Definitely. But I'm much better at remembering my keys and locking the windows and keeping their hats. And we don't want to stereotype men in any way that says, oh, they can't do good uh, parent work. Dum-dums. No, they... no. Because, no, it's important that we say, you're brilliant parents, please go and do that more often. Because the more often you parent, the better you will be at it. The best dads I know, divorced. Because they have to have, it's true though, they have to have the children half the time and they just learn this shit. And they start to go, my friend of mine just split up. I don't think he listens to the show, it's fine. Um, um, She said, he's suddenly saying things to her, like for years, he's just checked out a bit about it. Like he's a fun dad. You know fun dad? Such a fun dad. Such a fun dad. In terms of anything practical or responsible, no. And now he has her half the time. He started saying things to his ex like, it's just so stressful in the morning. She has to have a uniform. She has to have lunch in a box. Lunch in a box? Like what for later? This is not later, it's now. Why do we have to put lunch in a box? I mean, this is ridiculous. The special colours of clothes she can have. she has to have her hair like in a some kind of elastic situation <laughs> you have to sort of put one bit of hair over the other bit of hair oh but it is i mean like because guys are generally wearing their hair short the ponytail is a really tricky one for them to manage i mean they don't know how to pull you know when you're like you have to sort of twist it and put the mm. ponytail back through the that is so hard <laughs> I watch my husband and I can see his brain go, I just need a third hand. But these same men can change spark plugs in a car. I don't understand how they can't put one bit of hair into a rubber band. Do cars have spark plugs anymore? (laughs) Probably, I don't know. Feels like we can't really be criticising men. This is so stereotyping now. This is stereotyping. I I feel terrible about it. In general, but it's true. The men that I know who are divorced, and, and I, listen, what I'm suggesting is divorce him because Look. he will up his game. He will. He, suddenly he'll be able to make lamingtons. Oh, it's, no. Honestly, right, it'll no, take he's... two weeks and he'll be able to make lamingtons. He'll be able to make a bed. He'll be able to no, stop a toddler crying at he's, 40 he's paces. Very, he's actually very competent. That's not what I've heard. Now... Okay. Today we're not talking about parenting, but I wish we were now. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, We are talking about money. 
I know, I know. It's a feminist issue, isn't it? And you know it is because all the women go, oh. No, do you know what that noise is? What? They're just thinking, when they say they're talking about money, I hope it's for a long time. Because <laughs> it's boring, isn't it? Sorry. No, I don't think it is. I think it's scary. I think we don't want to look it in the eye because we're all in credit card debt. Um, and you have, a, you have a podcast, don't you? Oh, I thought money? you were going to say, and you have a credit card debt. Yes, I do, Deb. Yeah, you do. Thanks, thanks for mentioning it. Um, I'm a feminist, but I just have to do this to your hair. Please Sorry. Do. Please do. There you go. Um, my credit card debt is currently at a personal like best level. <laughs> is it a personal best? I, yeah, I think so. I think I might have got there. The, I, I had to keep trying. But hold the, on. Is personal what? best the most debt you've ever yeah, been I'm on the least? So. I'm, <laughs> I'm just... I'm being really sarcastic. Well, I suppose if you've hit a peak, you can just name it best or worst, can't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's best for the credit card company. There's that. There is You that. can think of it that way. Um, we, yes, we... I do have a podcast about money at the moment. I have no ownership over this. What I am is the host and guinea pig. There are three extremely clever women pulling the strings and making me confront my terrible finances. Your terrible fear of money. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, mm, if you have a fear of money. Just go, mm, if you have a fear of having no money. If you have a fear of having money and not knowing what to do with it, nobody. <laughs> Did anybody for that? Just if you have a fear of, like, you know, you, you sort of think, oh, no, I can't be trusted with it. Yeah. Just one. <laughs> we will take your money and divide it between the rest of us because we, we yes. know what to do with it. We'll no. offer some ideas throughout the show. I do know what you mean about that, though. It's just... Okay, that's now a phobia of money that you've got. <laughs> Really? Do you have any money? Yeah. You do? Yeah. God, come up onto the stage. Because <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you have money? How m- I don't, it's rude to ask how much, isn't it? You're not allowed to say that. This is fantastically phenomenal. I mean, we could sack the show off and just talk about this. I think this it's fantastic. Is what we're going to talk What's about. What's your name? Miriam, I think we've got to come back to Miriam because this is. I would like to know what Miriam's business is. I know we need to get her a mic though because this is going to come out on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Jessica Regan here. I'm coming to Birmingham on the 1st of December to give my big speeches workshop at the Birmingham Rep. Places are limited, so please book now to avoid disappointment. We have a few subsidised places that we prioritise for the unwaged and for students, but we do try and accommodate anyone in need. I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. Would you like to hear some stand-up comedy about money? (laughs) (laughs) Then please, welcome to the stage, Claire Hopper! comedian but (laughs) I'm not the sort of comedian who owns several houses I'm the sort of comedian who still lets her mum pay for lunch (laughs) I'm on TV and here's the thing about working on TV it turns out they only pay you when you're actually on TV So for this major celebrity, that works out at about 10 weeks a year. 
And um, when you are, like my husband and I, optimists, <laughs> by which I mean idiots, <laughs> that means you spend 10 weeks a year living like you're on TV. <laughs> Swear to you, I bought a beanbag that cost $500. My husband bought a toaster for $300. <laughs> Optimists. And when, um, when people hear that I work on the Great Australian Bake Off, they often say, like, the most common question is, oh, is it fun eating 10 cakes a day? And I like to say, a better question is, is it fun withdrawing from 10 cakes a day? <laughs> but really, seriously, what I'm saying is, at the end of the 10 weeks, I can't afford cakes anymore. <laughs> Seriously, send me some cakes, please, or bread. We've got nothing to put in the $300 toaster. <laughs> We're thinking about eating the bean bag. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not funny to joke about being poor. Obviously, I know I'm not real poor. What I am is incredibly fortunate, despite my best efforts. <laughs> My husband and I are idiots. We don't have a will. We've been married for 10 years, we don't have a will. We prefer to plan for things that won't happen, like the zombie apocalypse <laughs> or, or home renovations. <laughs> Over the last 10 years, I have lost thousands of dollars in super from them being in random lost funds and just disappearing through fees. Over the last 10 years, I have paid thousands, like thousands of dollars in interest on credit cards. Eight of the last 10 years, I have had a mortgage on a house that I can't technically afford, so we just pay the interest, which means in eight years, we have not changed the principal. And over the last 10 years, my husband and I have had no idea about these things. We are just coming to these realisations now as we try to get our life together, but no idea, because we are optimists. <laughs> By which I mean idiots. <laughs> Something else happened in the last 10 years, and that is we've ended up with two small children. <laughs> and if anyone knows who they are, I'm looking to give them back. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all, no, I love them, I have to. I can't get them back up again. Um, <laughs> And children make you start the process of becoming better people. Like it doesn't, some people can do it without children, but for my husband and I, it was a motivating factor. I made my husband get his driver's license because we were having kids. Tell you what, there's nothing like the feeling of being driven to hospital in labour in a car with L plates on it. <laughs> Just feeling like a glamorous teen mum and... I've, I've been trying to improve my, like I honestly have improved my behaviour. I used to use a lot of foul language. I certainly don't use the C word anymore. I've two little daughters and I don't use, like, it's a shame because once the older one turned three, sometimes there's no better word for her. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just quickly explain to the people in the audience that don't have kids what it is like having kids, and parents, you will agree, this is exactly what it's like. It's like that feeling of going to the grocery store 
and buying more than you intended to buy. <laughs> and then walking out and remembering you didn't drive, you walked. <laughs> it's, is that forever? <laughs> like, like, you're not gonna leave them in the bushes, <laughs> but you still find yourself looking at the bushes. <laughs> my motivation to be a better person and here's the thing I thought I was being a really good role model for them like I pat myself on the back about being a good role model I am the breadwinner in our relationship I do all the driving if my husband tries to get in the driver's seat the two-year-old screams at him mommy seat I'm very careful, I don't talk about diets, I don't talk, I don't apologise for my age around them, I don't let them see me put on makeup. I am, I let my husband do all the cooking. <laughs> I let him, I feel like I'm being a good role model, but I realise now how unfeminist it is to be so passive in my relationship with money. And so I guess the question is, is money a feminist issue? And I would argue that it is because women are more financially disadvantaged than men in our current system. And that's just in this country. There are countries where it is far worse. In this country, women retire with only slightly more than half the superannuation of a man. So it's something like 320,000 that a man retires with and 180,000 that a woman retires with. Like that is a huge difference. And women generally live longer. If somebody in the family needs help, it usually falls to the woman to be the carer. 32% of Australian women have a caring role in a parent's life. Women are statistically more likely to be in lower paying jobs or more likely to be paid less for the same job. And women are an unseen homelessness problem in this country. There are so many older women who make it to retirement age single for whatever reason and financially illiterate and cannot afford the roof over their heads. And I feel like even aside from all of those numbers, there is this cultural thing that we're doing the producer of this show tried to give me money to buy dinner earlier and I almost threw it back at him. No, no, really, that's fine. I don't take it out of your pocket. Like, should have been like, worth it. <laughs> I actually talked to a friend of mine recently who was the head writer on a TV comedy show and he said that he had a horrific realisation the other day when he got an email from a woman asking about work and he realised that he has received very few emails from women. He regularly gets emails from men, including a CV saying, consider me for a job. And he got this email from a woman and realised that he hadn't received one in ages and the email was phrased, please let me know if it would be okay to send through my CV. Hope I haven't taken up too much of your time. Mm. So, so I guess what I'm saying is money is a feminist issue. And I am trying to get more interested in my own money and I'm trying to take control of it.
because I feel like that is how to be a good role model for my daughters. I don't just want them to feel like they can wear what they want to wear, express their sexuality how they want to express it. I don't want to have them feel like they shouldn't be intimidated because of their gender and I don't want them just fighting for the rights of more vulnerable women. What I want them to also do is acknowledge that the system regularly financially disadvantages women and I want them to be too wise to let it happen to them. In other words, when they are 41, I want them to pay for their own fucking lunch. <laughs> Thank you. That was brilliant. Was that meant to be funny? Because I stopped being funny. No, no. Do you know what? We love a gear shift in tone at The Guilty Feminist. We love nothing more than for something funny to suddenly get very serious and sad and then get funny again. It's our stock in trade. It's the thing I'm most proud of is the way we can shift gears. Uh, so you've got a quiz for me. Oh, look, I have actually. Because I happen to know that you are in a long-term partnership slash marriage. You're right. married. You're technically married? Or you just call him a husband? Doesn't technically matter. Technically married. That sounds like I'm not married. No, I mean, you are, technically. You? It sounds like you're saying it's sort of like we are only married for tax purposes. Well, you know, no, just Listen. I have some friends who will refer to their partner as their husband or wife. But oh, not no, 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 be, no, no, no. No, we're actually genuine married. Actual. We're gen- genuine actual. Go on. This is what we are going to do now. And is, is this from your ABC podcast, these questions? Yes, they are actually. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to What's ask. What's that called? The podcast is called The Pineapple Project, Mm -hmm. and this is from an episode called Love and Money. Okay. Why is it called The Pineapple Project? Because the pineapple is what we call the 50 in Australia. The 50? $50 note is called a pineapple. Why? $50 note is called a pineapple because it's yellow, and a 20 is a lobster, and a 100 is an avocado. (laughs) I've never heard that, but it's the most Australian thing ever, (laughs) ever. And Ever. we cannot agree on the 10. I will not accept any of the submissions so far. Okay, go on, do so the quiz. So here's the thing. I, um, uh, one of the financial mistakes I made was marrying Wade. We were engaged within five... No, I should not... There was no full stop there. You put that there, not me. I was clearly just taking a deep breath. So... <laughs> Wade and I were engaged within five weeks of I'm meeting. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry and, for your loss. And look, as it's turned out, I've done very well out of him. He's a good sort and not a gig goes by that I don't get some value out of our relationship. Sure. You are selling that man now for money. He's... You are selling... It's all right. It keeps you are the, selling... It keeps the little guy in furs and feathers. So... Sure. But um, when we got engaged... Uh, we uh, did not talk about finances. We didn't know, and I didn't know he had an enormous student loan in New Zealand. <gasps> um, and I had a house! So he. Okay, this book, I bought it in an Australian bookshop. It's an Australian book. It's called Unfuck Your Finances. Now, if you're listening internationally, that's how Australians talk. <laughs> and that's the front of your book, is Unfuck Your Finances. And uh, it's by Melissa Brown. And she calls this a sexually transmitted debt. Wade got a sexually transmitted brick and mortar asset. Lucky man. Um, the point is, it's a really good idea 
to talk about where you're coming from financially before you get that's what she says into a relationship she says you've got to sit down and talk about it even though it's icky and not sexy i mean icky and sexy are the same sometimes though aren't they um <laughs> and sexual certainly and there's quotes in it like this would be a much better world if more married couples were as deeply in love as they are in debt <laughs> quote earl wilson said that Continue. Is that a romantic quote? I'm not sure. No, I'm, it's basically she's saying you've got to talk about these things. You've yes. got to sit down and have well, the conversation. Well, now, tell, talk to me about your, um, the way you share finances oh. in your marriage. Okay. Do you, who does it? I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I care... I, and, and, and this is also... I understand this is a space of privilege. It's easier to care less about... Not, I mean, we're not rich. I don't mean that. But if you really have no money at all, and I have had no money at all because I was a Jehovah's Witness, and not that no Jehovah's Witnesses have money, but if you are young, you are encouraged to pioneer. So I had to work two days a week in a shop and then five days a week knocking on doors trying to give watchtowers away for no money whatsoever. So there were times I couldn't pay my rent. There were times I couldn't... I didn't have money for food. There were times my electricity was cut off. That's not to say I was poor. I was broke. And I think those things are different. Aren't they? Poor and poverty is no way out of this. Whereas actually, because I'd done well at school, even though I wasn't allowed to go to university as a Jehovah's Witness, I was broke because actually, if I'd been able to get out of the trap in my head, I could have gone to university or I could have stopped pioneering. Like, you know, I could speak Japanese so I could work for a decent hourly rate and things like that. When I left the Jehovah's Witnesses, I felt I'd been very, very poor, broke because of men, and I would not let that happen again. So when I left, I went to university, and I was lucky enough to go to a good university in Britain. And so when I came out, the two things I didn't want because of the Jehovah's Witness experience, one, to work for anybody else. Because I felt, if I went into a big company, it had that ownership feel again. Yes. So I wanted to do the thing that I loved the most, and a bit like Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind, I just thought, I'll never be hungry again. That's what she says. And again, from a place of privilege, I'm white. I was able to get a university education. We always had books in the house growing up. I feel like I've pushed myself into sort of some kind of financial... I mean, security is too strong a word, but like not... You know, I don't live hand to mouth. So I find the whole financial situation, like the bank accounts and things, so boring. My husband does all of it. Honestly, he could have an online gambling problem as far as I know. I don't know. So... It was a good bit of backstory, but the answer to my question is <laughs> that my husband does the money. But I think we can see why. <laughs> it's hard to break out of the patriarchy. When you <laughs> well, I think it is. I think money is a bit oh, of a forgotten area. Ex- and I also, just it's so boring. Adding, boring. Adding and taking away, dividing, timesing, all of Do you the... Know what? No, no, no. To the power of all of them. Boring. I can't stand it. I'm busy. I'm doing things. Agreed. I think it's okay to have a bookkeeper and it's fun to call your husband that. (laughs) But you need to know, you need to have had a discussion about, look, this is a list of questions that you're meant to sit down with your partner and ask each other and you discover whether you're on the same page and not being on the same page is not a problem. Okay. It's just good to know where your financial ideas diverge. Good. So, you have to answer for Tom. Okay. Okay, one... This is for Tom, on behalf of Tom. Yeah, what would he, how would he answer this? Oh, God. If he won the lotto today, oh. what are the first three things he'd do with the money? Oh, full-size pool table um, would be one. I can uh, write them pay down. Pay off our yep. flat, I think. He would do that, I would imagine. 
Um, pool table first, though, obviously. I don't know where we're putting it. We've got nowhere in the flat to put it, but I know that's his, his idea of success, is if he had a pool table. You've got a roof, haven't you? By, it's true, we do. Uh, we've got a flat roof. I'd like to think he would help people, and I really like to think... We've been doing a lot of work with refugees lately, and I really, really like to think... Well, I would just make him anyway. <laughs> would to donate sizable um, sums of money so, to make... Some, some sort of easier. large pool table to the refugees. <laughs> I said full toast to full table too quickly. Sorry. I, I do, do you know what? No, no, I'm going like to ring it. him. I'm going to ring him. I mean, it is early in the morning there, but I'm just going to wake him up because I think he'll enjoy this. And then I'll just mute him while I'm answering because then we'll be able to... Hold on. Um, hi, darling. Hello. Um, so welcome to the Adelaide Guilty Feminist. We're doing a quiz on money. I have answered for you in a Mr. and Mrs. style, hashtag feminism. If you were to win the lottery today, what are the first three things you'd buy? Oh, my God. Answer quickly, don't censor. What's the luxury item you would buy if you had lottery money? For yourself, or what, for yourself? Computer? No. No. What other two things would you do with money if you won the lottery? Um. I mean, literally any answer we will take at the moment to speed the show. You're going to have to edit these pauses out. <laughs> you really did not know I was going to do this, clearly. I am just... I have no idea, and I've only just woke up. Okay, all right. Well, the answers, the correct answers, were a full-size pool table, American. Oh, yes, that is, yes, that would, yes. Then you would pay off our flat. No. And then you would donate a sizable amount of money to our refugee project. Yes? Uh, I, I have talked to the and I endorse this message. You, what, you endorse this message? Okay, <laughs> fine. Okay, now I'm going to put you on mute and we're going to get the second question. Don't go away. Right. Yeah. So let's just all acknowledge the fact that Deb was lying when she said she wouldn't be the boss of a threesome. <laughs> It's a well-known fact that you are opposite in bed to how you are in life. There's a very good reason I want a break when I get into the bedroom. <laughs> All right. Sorry, we're just joking about threesomes, Tom. You, you can't hear when I get on the mute, can you? No. Okay. Go on. Okay. What word best describes his money habits? Spender, saver... Sharer. Oh, spender, saver, or sharer? I would say sharer. Sharer. Okay. Tom, what word best yeah. describes your money habits? Spender, saver, or sharer? It's a multiple choice sharer. this time. Sharer, correct. Yay! Okay, I'm muting you again. Do you? Does Tom have equal say? on how you use your dollars. 
Oh, yes, yes. But except they're pounds. Pounds. <laughs> Tom, do we have equal say in how we use the money? No. No? <laughs> what, in what way do we not? What do you mean by you that? Right, but I wouldn't ask you if I wanted to buy something. I'd just phone you up at the shop going, the credit card hasn't worked. Can you transfer some money over? Exactly. Sure. Okay, muting you. That went well. Muted. It's great having a mute button. If only this were in life. Yeah. How much money does he think you will need to retire on? Oh, shit. I don't know that because I don't know what kind of money people need to retire. I don't know what, I don't know what, how long am I going to live in this scenario? When do I retire? I don't know. Exactly. I've no idea. Okay, I'm going to ask him and see if he has an idea. Tom, how much money will I need to retire on, do you think? Same answer as me. Right. <laughs> Do you have a final one? All right. Oh, man. There are a few more good ones. All right. What is too much to spend without checking in? Oh. Oh, shit. This is a... Oh, God, I'm confessing this in front of all these people. Too much to spend without checking in. 500 pounds. Ooh. I would say... I would just sort of go, what, is that bad or good? Is that... uh, we don't know until we talk How to much Tom. is too much with, to spend without checking in? Selinsky, how much is too much to spend without checking in? £500. Yay! Yay! Oh, my God. We are the best couple in the world. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom Selinsky. Enjoy editing this. <laughs> bye, Tom. Bye, several, say bye, bye Tom. Tom. You realise that isn't a pass when you both have no answer <laughs> about retirement? I mean, listen... We're spending £500 today. <laughs> I might die and, you know, not get to retire. So, yeah. you know, or something good might happen and I might end up with enough money to retire. I mean, to be honest with you, climate change will probably come and then I've saved for nothing. I know. Didn't we all just, when Trump got in, didn't we all just go, um, maybe I'd just save yeah. a little less? Yeah, seriously, I did. Hello, Guilty Feminist. It's Deborah Francis-White. Just to say, my book is on sale and you can buy it at Warston's at Amazon.co.uk or any good bookshop. If you could leave a review at Amazon.co.uk if you have read it and or at Goodreads, that would be wonderful. And if you haven't got it yet, maybe ask for it for Christmas or it makes a great Christmas present for somebody else, as do Steve Alley's necklaces at road-from-damascus.co.uk. You can get necklaces there that say guilty feminist or ones that say woman in Arabic and there'll be new designs soon. Do you know what else makes great Christmas presents? Guilty feminist tour tickets. That's right. We have announced a UK live tour. This show won't be podcast. It will have the feel of one of those big Palladium shows that we did for our 100th episode and the centenary of the suffragettes. It will have a big celebratory feel. There'll be music. There'll be lots of comedians. There will be lots of fun. There will be guests local to your city. 
the dates that we have at the moment are the 1st of May in Halifax, the 2nd of May in Birmingham, then we go to Hull, Newcastle, Manchester, Ipswich, Colchester, Richmond, Southend, Cardiff, Cambridge, Aylesbury, Bournemouth, Oxford, Southampton, Sheffield, Coventry, Plymouth, Brighton, Glasgow, Leicester, Nottingham and Woking. We look forward to seeing you in one of those cities. Go to guiltyfeminist.com and you'll be able to see all of the dates and ticketmaster.co.uk where you can buy tickets. We hope to see as many of you as possible there. At the moment, this is just a UK tour, but if you are international and you can't get into the UK at any point, sit tight. Hopefully we'll be coming to see you soon. Our Christmas shows are sold out, but on the 27th of November, there are tickets being released today for a very special episode of The Guilty Feminist that Rachel Paris and I are doing at the Coliseum. That's the home of the English National Opera or the ENO. Again, go to the website for those details. It's going to be a really, really big one. This weekend, we recorded some riotous episodes of Global Pillage. It's looking to be the best season we've ever done. You can come to King's Place at 4pm on the 8th of December, where we'll be recording two episodes back to back with an interval. And our big Christmas special on the 15th of December, which will be one long riotous episode, also at King's Place. It's a smaller space. It's about 100 seats. So please come up and say hi afterwards if you want to get a selfie or you want me to sign your book. I will be around. I'll be around in the bar afterwards. We would love to see you in the hive mind of Global Pillage. Global Pillage is a cultural diversity based comedy panel show where you, the hive mind, get to play against two teams of the audience. It's so much fun. Please come along and join us in London for those shows at King's Place. It's near King's Cross and you can get the tickets at kingsplace.co.uk. And back to the podcast. Our guest today is a multi-award winning comedian and she is also a member of the Fringe Wives Club. Please welcome to the stage the wonderful Tessa Waters. Oh, hello, oh, yes. hello, hello. Hello, Tessa. Tessa, what is your This attitude? is what a podcast looks like on the inside. <laughs> I know, I know. It's amazing. It's busier than you'd think. It's much bigger than I thought. It's like a TARDIS. It, yeah, there's loads of them. There's loads of them. It was just in my ears, but there's all these people here. I know, I yeah, know. Thank focused, you for coming out. No, what's your attitude towards money, Tessa? I love it. <laughs> and I want it. I'm a carny, so I love it. And I'm a big hustler, so I work hard for it. Okay, so you tour yeah. from place to place. I do, yeah. I'm on tour like that, 10 months of the year. How does that change your attitude towards money or your relationship with money, do you think, when you're travelling? you very much more, uh, like, I guess, aware. Like, you, there's no savings. <laughs> and you're very much sort of living from day to day. But you also start to really realise how little you need to live on as well. Like, you know, I don't own a house. I don't have a mortgage. I don't own a car. I have a bed somewhere. Where do you keep your bed? Well, I, I actually, I have a room now in Melbourne. I, I rent a room in a, in a share house. And so when you go back to Melbourne, it's your base now? Yeah, Melbourne's my base for about four months of the year. And the rest of the time I'm travelling around, Airbnb. And do you fear success? We were talking to Miriam before. Do I fear success? Mm, do you fear lots of money? Do you think, oh God, what would I do with it? No, I know. I, I think I'd have a great time. Do you I think, think I'd you have think a sensational you'd, you'd time? You think you'd know how to spend it? Yeah. Okay. But, but you're multi-award winning, you're constantly working, and when you're working, you're not just doing one show, like you do many shows a day on yeah. a weekend. 
So technically, you are really successful. I, well, that's really yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Is that <laughs> so? Yeah, but is that, but that, is that the financial reality? I bought a, I bought this dress for ten dollars today, and I'm feeling like I'm winning. So um, yeah. But but, but yeah. I mean, is that the financial reality in your that dress? But industry. it's yeah, yeah it is a hot but it's dress. true. It's a, it's a really in, good dress. In, in so many industries now, mm. the reality of being successful it doesn't mean you're financially stable. No, not at all. And I think especially in Australia, I think especially in the arts. You know, like I've been in comedy for a decade. I've been living off it full time for four years. Um, but I'm constantly working. And the more sort of successful I get, the harder I have to work and the harder I have to hustle. So I've been gigging this morning since 10 a.m. And I was gigging till 2 a.m. last night. And I'll be on till 2- 3 a.m. tonight. Wow. Do you have a contingency plan? Because, you know, like I remember being mates with a carny, like a literal <laughs> carny, yeah. who sprained his ankle really badly during a show. And that's kind of it. You know, like, you've got no money while you're recovering. I've got a master's in arts management as well, I should say that. Um, So I'm not just a comedian who's sort of... I mean, I have worked my way up to the comedian ladder, but I've also got... I've done business management skill training. Education, I think it's called. Um, (laughs) I've been to school and shit. Um, And I actually mentor a whole bunch of young artists now. So I mentor 20 young artists around Australia and the UK. And a big part of that is we talk about financial sustainability because it is massive. Whether you're in the arts or whatever industry you're in, you know, that financial stress of being in debt or not having enough money to pay your rent or to eat is hugely anxiety making like you know and really I think sometimes that's ha- that is harder for women partly because we get paid less on average yeah but also partly there are security issues for women sometimes for because sure our, because our physical safety oh is we in can't jeopardy. walk home at 3 a.m we're gonna it's, do we're gonna tax yeah money. exactly there are Uber. things like that like having a safe place to stay mm-hmm. getting a taxi when a public transport isn't an option or you're going to get hassled on public transport there are all sorts of things that make our lives false eyelashes I'm so sorry. I've worn these for a week. I I really should try and get some new ones. Yeah, no, they are beautiful, and I was actually looking at them. But you're right. You're actually right in a way. I know that's a joke. But cosmetics, and if you are in showbiz... Oh, it's so true. I mean, the expectations on a woman in showbiz are much higher. Huge, huge, huge. So if you're doing, like, Bake Off or something, Mm -hmm. there is an expectation of how your skin will look, how you'll look physically. (laughs) Touch it. I own no products. But it can affect your ability to get a job in a way that... Sometimes I look at men on the television and go, the female billboard equivalent of that man would never, 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 not nowhere, know how be employed. I would never get through the door if I wore what some male comedians get. I, I love dressing up. Like, I love, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, high, I'm like Diana Ross meets Mr. Bean. That's my kind of comedy. <laughs> so I do, I do, like, high glam stupidity, you know what I mean? So, but costume and stuff, and I get these amazing sequin costumes made and spend thousands of dollars every season because, one, I love it, but also I kind of have to. Like, it's become my brand. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like as a woman in any industry, but especially in comedy, you have to work harder, mm-hmm. you have to be humbler, you have to show up more you have to be brighter more sparkly more professional than any of the boys completely there is pressure on us to spend on ourselves cosmetically and yes we don't have to and yes it's a feminist act not to but the reality is there are certain industries lots of them where your financial opportunities will be curtailed because there's an expectation around cosmetics and the grooming that we've got to do and that kind of thing 
we don't again we don't have to do it but it's possible that our income will, will change uh, if we don't yes, yes that's right you, you're making a strategic choice yeah and to... sometimes you've got to spend money to make money yeah. in a way that guys yeah, do yeah, not yeah. I just want to come to Miriam because I think it's interesting and we're all obsessed with her it's not just me, is it? We all can't get through the night if we don't know more about Miriam. I don't know who you are, Miriam, but She's I like the sound of your voice. Hi. You do you know each other? You can tell them what I do. Oh, oh does, do you, do you know, know Miriam? Do I know Miriam? This so, is like at a party me and Miriam. This is your life, except you've got to guess who everyone is. I'm, I'm literally doing a sketch about this anxiety, uh, how this gives well, me Miriam, a panic Miriam, attack in my show right now. Miriam, you know Tessa. Hi, yeah, what? my mind. Oh, hello, hello. Okay, so... Come so you can see me and then you'll Yay! Know oh, really? Oh, God, this is, this is... It's possible I've slept through the show yeah, and I'm dreaming. Oh, hello! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't recognise you. Okay, how do you guys I'm know so each glad other? This and I'm asking Tessa, how through, do you know Miriam? Through, through Gilded? No, through Spank. Through Fringe. Through Fringe. Through, through Fringe. Oh, through yeah, Fringe. Through fringe. Through She's fringe. a Fringe wife. You're a Fringe wife. Pretty much. Fringe okay. wife for life. All right, so uh, Miriam, what do you do for a living? Um, I run an arts PR company and we focus on working with feminist and queer art. And we work in Adelaide and Edinburgh and across the UK. So are you pitching now? Is this a pitch meeting? (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm living it, aren't I? Wow, this is... It's working, Miriam. Yeah, (laughs) things are taking off for you. In PR arts, feminist PR arts, that's that's incredible. If you can make money... PRing feminist shows in the arts. You well, are a genius. Here's the thing. <laughs> that is, that's some good PR right there. <laughs> this is why I remembered it so well. Is, we mainly just get drunk together. How are you it's making great. money doing that? There's just a lot of there's, opportunity in this space. There's a lot of amazing work. There are a lot of brilliant people who want to work with someone who cares about what they're doing. And there's three in my team. Another one... Is, is up on the balcony and we're, we're both here in Adelaide and Harry um, is at home in Edinburgh getting on with other projects and um, I think when you said that the reason it resonated with me was because we cycled past a big um, let's say Schmalfenbrostralian arts quango who we worked with last fringe and I've already had conversations in the last few weeks with people who were like you got paid what to do that you should be asking for double so obviously I don't quite know what I'm doing, but I, you know, I still have enough money to do more and like achieve more and be able to say to really freaking cool people, no, have at it. If you've only got 500 bucks, let's work out what we can do. For I have to, that's the spend I have to check. Just one second. <laughs> Hello, Tom. Yes, I'd like to spend 500 pounds on... Oh, no, 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 $500. You're fine. You're safe. That's you like know, twin, oh, before 20 Brexit, of your pounds. Sure. Before Brexit, with 500 British sterling pounds, I could buy a house in Adelaide. And now I can buy $500. <laughs> Fucking Brexit. Um, Miriam, does that frighten you where you think, oh, suddenly I'm going to be in a different income bracket and the sort of success... Yeah, mate, I have to, like, limit my company. I didn't... I just didn't want to have to go to work and be told what to do. So when you say limit your company, you mean make it a limited entity, like LTD. You don't mean I have to limit my vision. That, no. Um, although I have just got glasses. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> when you hit £82,000 turnover a year, you have yeah. to limit your company. And I, it's been a running joke for the three years I've run the company that I will never have to do that. And in 2018, I have to do that. Well, well done. That's, that's incredible. 
because that's not it's not an easy field anything in show business is difficult yeah I totally agree and I you know there are days where like everyone I hate what I do and I think that's why when you said about the do you worry about having too much money I'm never going to be minted and I, I think pretty much every day I think if I was a guy I wouldn't feel like this I would be like oh just hire more people we'll just do more stuff right Whereas it's it's emotional for me as well and I want to do a good job um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting you're talking about this today. Um, yeah, I think sometimes as women we're trained to to go, oh no, too much for me. It's a bit like it's before Im- when Jeff tried to give you your yes. per diems. Yeah, I know how to take what I'm worth in the obvious areas, but I'm really bad at like sometimes. I, I know my husband and I went to check into a hotel um, recently, and they tried to give us an upgrade, and I was like, no, no, we haven't paid for that. And Wade's like, shut up. <laughs> How do you learn that stuff? I mean, especially working with a lot of young uh, female artists in comedy and in writing. How do you, like, learn that information about what you're worth? And We're all very awkward about it. In mm, the arts it's especially. Weird, we don't share how much we get no. on it. Like, we both gigged together last night. Yeah. And at no point did we say, how much did you get for this? And that kind of information is so useful because it allows you to go into your next negotiation armed yeah. with the knowledge of what other people are getting. Well, but, of course, we were, we're embarrassed if we get more. You were so embarrassed to hear that yeah. you may have have gotten paid more for a gig that you did here in Australia years ago because I was international because you were international well especially because I'm from the Gold Coast that's super embarrassing yeah. <laughs> um, you're terrible Muriel I think um, if we could actually I mean like it would be I was horrified of, by I know you were why are local but acts getting paid less than international acts that's outrageous and at no yeah, point that's how long, a terrible pay how long <laughs> let's talk about that shall we how <laughs> long were you on that tour? how long did you spend on that tour um, uh, four weeks I think man I bet you told sex stories and at no point did anyone say what they were getting week by week for the show like nobody found out each other's paychecks and it's actually I know it's quite awkward but if we all got a bit easier with those conversations it actually does help well, I mean that's like, what a union sure. is yeah. a union yeah. is a formal way to say we have no hey. union <laughs> yeah we absolutely we are a self-regulating um, yeah I find industry. it so frustrating I've got into really like annoying negotiations with certain gigs and certain festivals where we've gotten to this point where you you know you have to pitch what you're doing I'm going to do this many shows and then you have to quote yourself how much it's going to cost. Okay, this will cost you guys this much money. Like, I know, five grand or something for a week. But you're not meant to. I did not one enough. festival. Yeah, exactly. So I pitched a show, the cabaret show I'm doing for a week at a festival. Didn't have to specify how many gigs I was doing. Just like a ballpark figure. And they came back and just went to be doing 20 gigs that week <gasps> for that much money. Wow. And then I went back and looked, this is too many gigs. You actually, that averages out at about $20 a gig for the three of us. So no. And at that point they said, we don't negotiate financially with artists. And just do they, the do they mean terrorists? I know. Was that? Are they confusing like, artists? I'm sorry. Are, are, they, are we not talking business? Okay, are they can we not go back and forth? Are they confusing terrorists with performance poets? Yeah. Jesus. Well, um, it's horrible to go into any because perfor- so often after an awkward negotiation, you then have to walk on stage and shine bright and act like everyone's friends, knowing that you are actually not friends with the producers. Mm. It's really, it's mm. a really unpleasant thing There's negotiating your than own money. Feeling undervalued. It's, it's more than that. It's that like that actual feeling of we are opponents yes. rather than and I think it comes up in self-producing a lot because I run my own production company and we produce sort of four shows in our stable. 
and that happens a lot because I negotiate on behalf of all of us and I'm just been learning it as I go and sort of you know and clearly I'm undercharging um oh well <laughs> so for 20 I'm glad shows, we're sharing yeah. this information yeah. at the moment Claire but it's amazing so yeah I often have to then step into that performance space and sort of be sparkly and you know you know woo the producers and and the crowd after I've had quite tense negotiations sometimes and I'm okay with that because I'm like okay well this is the business I'm just going to step into that space and take but, it but it's but you have to separate it out mm. and what a shame because inevitably you're losing some really beautiful diverse voices because those people are not up to that sort of negotiation to get themselves a spot at a festival you know what I mean like as in you have giant balls slash flaps and that Ooh. is huge huge in, I mean you know I'm from Queensland throbbing. mate massive we gigged together last night we know all about it anyway <laughs> except but, how much but you yeah, I, you know the There'd be a lot of people that fall out of the industry because what they're good at is the actual art form, mm. but they can't do mm. they can't do money no, talk. No, money talk, it's so hard. Miriam, do you have anything you want to plug, the name of your company or any of the shows that you're doing at the oh, moment? Oh guys, well everyone go see Yummy, everyone go see Tessa's show shows. Um, and um, Victoria um, Falconer Pritchard, who's also in Fringe Wives, Wives Club, she's amazing. I don't know, get amongst it. Like if you live in Adelaide, it's the second biggest festival in the world. Just pick something, go see it. If it's rubbish, you get so many anecdotes out of it. That's what I'd say to everyone. Um, and if, oh, can I do a little if plug, I, actually? If I pay you to do a press release for me, will you say that on it? If it's rubbish, you'll get loads of anecdotes. <laughs> it's true. The only thing I would love to say on this platform is we're looking to hire one more person for Edinburgh Fringe and we're looking for a young um, female person of colour or a queer person. If you're listening and this gets onto the edit and you are interested, just go to our website, storytellingpr.com. Please send us an email. Don't feel like you have to apologise. We want to speak to you if you have no experience. That's the way I want to grow my company and that's the way this industry works and I'm really proud to be part of all the good stuff that everyone does. A big round of applause for Miriam. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, storytelling PR. Storytelling PR. Okay, so get in touch. There's somebody in the audience today... This is from Louisa's solicitors because she can't talk about this herself. And it says, to whom it may concern, our client, Louise Ray, otherwise known as Beaumont, and in relation to the legal proceedings brought against her by Mr. Ray, which is her ex-partner or ex-husband? Her current husband. Concerning her comedy show Hard Mode, unfortunately, there is very little we can say at this stage beyond what Louise herself has said on her GoFundMe page. We are still preparing Louise's defence with her and do not want to preempt that document or to engage in a trial by media. Louise started to write her hard mode show when she was still with her husband. It was a show about censorship and authoritarianism, asking the audience to imagine the BBC had come into the control of the Chinese government. It was in no way a show about her husband. While performing the show after their separation, Louise mentioned her husband a couple of times, but this was in the context of telling the audience how sad she was that they had recently separated. At certain performances of the show, she cried at this point. While she used Mr. Ray's image a couple of times, she invited the audience to admire how good-looking he was and expressed sadness that the marriage had come to an end. She used an image and some footage of their wedding that she had been using in her shows for years without any objection from Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray had claimed that there are sections of the show which will have been understood by the audience to mean that he was abusive to Louise. Louise's position is that the key sections that he has claimed are defamatory of him were not intended to be understood by the audience to refer to him. During most of these sections, Louise was playing different characters, including a newsreader and Jeremy Clarkson. 
Should this case go to trial, there will undoubtedly be debate over the meaning of the words complained about and whether they can truly be said to refer to Mr. Ray. I've got some words for him. Uh, a few days after Louise received Mr. Ray's lawyer's letter in August 2017, she gave her husband an undertaking not to mention him again in her show without any admission of liability. She was unable and unwilling to pay him the damages and legal costs that he was also seeking. The fact that Mr. Ray has now chosen to commence proceedings in relation to a show where he is only mentioned in passing and to small audience numbers is deeply regrettable. The nature of Mr. Ray's claim will mean that their marriage will receive a great deal of public scrutiny it would not otherwise have received. If you have any questions, do contact, etc. So I think this is an example of a woman being silenced and controlled through finance. I can't say any more about it, really, because I don't want Mr. Ray to come after me. Um, but there are women in London who are comedians who are clubbing together to put on a fundraiser for Louise because we want her to be able to afford her legal fees and not just to be shut down and not to be bankrupted through censorship. Yes. Because someone's so got more money than somebody else. Yes, because it's a very expensive business defending yourself. Yes. Yep. And where does that stop? We all talk oh. about our exes on stage. We all talk about all sorts of things. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. If you don't want to be talked about on stage, don't shag a comedian. Now, <laughs> ever. But we're so I didn't make physical comedy, so feel free to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tessa does mostly juggling, so you're fine. Uh, but... Uh, That's one for the podcast audience. Tessa's done a lewd mime there of juggling. Uh, I believe it's a feminist act to help a woman with legal fees if she is being closed down and shut down and her income is being curtailed and her career is being stopped because somebody has more money than her. Money is used as power against women all the time. All the time. And that's really how the sexual harassment went on and still continues to go on in so many different industries that has recently come to light, particularly in entertainment, politics and other high-profile industries. Women are threatened. They're threatened because their financial future will be curtailed if they do not cooperate. Money is used as power against women all the time. And if we don't stand up together, it's amazing what we can do when we link arms and walk towards rather than separate and put our heads down and walk backwards. And that's what we need to be doing now. Tessa Waters, do you have anything to plug? I have lots of stuff to plug. I'm doing a new solo show called Volcano. It's a high-octane sketch comedy show combined with a story about my great-grandmother who survived the eruption of three volcanoes in Papua New Guinea wow. in the 1930s and was an absolute badass Belfast lass. Louise Ray, you're also on in Adelaide, aren't you? I am here. Please come and see my show. 6 p.m. Yeah. Tuxedo we'll Cab. Do it, do it, do it. I'll buy a ticket. 6 p.m. at Tuxedo Cab. I'll buy one tomorrow. If um, everybody here, it's so hard to sell shows in Adelaide. It's so hard to show, show shows on the fringe in general in comedy. It's harder for women than for men because of years of institutionalised sexism. If everyone here, just one day before the end of the Fringe, committed to go to the Tuxedo Cat at six o'clock and take a friend, Louisa's show would probably sell out. We could just all do that. I think it would be really nice and <laughs> yes, feminist. Adelaide. Who's in to just pick a day and just go, I'll take a bunch of mates, I'll take one friend, or I'll just go myself after work really quickly, I'll just whiz out and go and see Louisa's show at Tuxedo Cat at six o'clock? Yeah. Can you actually do it, though? Because it's really easy to clap. And do you know what I've been thinking lately? I have my 
best friend, it's sort of like a best friend now, like a brother who's staying with me as a Syrian refugee. And we made a little film for Channel 4 to encourage other people because refugees at home find it hard to find placements, like people with spare rooms. And so we made a little video. I knew I'd look like a dick. I basically said, you know, they're going to see us as a double act of virtue signaler and terrorist for sure. And of course, the comments have said that. But here's the thing. Like, people have inquired about also having refugees in their rooms. So it doesn't matter if I look like a dick if somebody gets a nice warm bed and a family get a new family member. But I've just started to think in the last couple of days, there are, I think there are as many kind and empathetic people in the world as there are unkind and unempathetic people in the world. But I sometimes think the unempathetic ones are more motivated. Oh. And I think we've got to get out of bed and we've got to start doing, not just feeling. I think we've got to change our actions. We have got to get the empathetic kind people in the world have got to get more get up and go it's not enough just to go isn't that awful we've got to leave the house and simple acts like going right i will actually put that in the diary six o'clock i will buy those tickets i will get a mate we will go down you know we will get a drink it will be great and we'll feel like we've done something microfinancing for women in developing nations you can do it for pennies for pounds for dollars small amounts of money invested in women's companies there are all sorts of ways that if we get motivated that we genuinely can change the world we've just got to get a little bit more motivated than the unkind unempathetic people to make the world overall be going forward and not backwards Agreed. Parooch. Yes. Claire, do you have anything to plug? Yes, if you're in Australia, you can watch The Great Australian Bake Off, one of the loveliest shows in the world. And anywhere in the world, I believe, you can access The Pineapple Project if you are interested in getting your finances together for people like me who are privileged idiots. Okay. Also, my plug is check out Grown Up Land, which will be out on the 1st of March, which is a BBC podcast, which I am producing and have co-created with the BBC, starring Bisha K. Ali, Mae Martin and Ed Sedgwick. And Steve Ali. Follow the Guilty Feminist on Twitter at GuiltFemPod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash the Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as, notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. Five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Claire Hooper, and our very special guest, Tessa Waters. The producers were Tom Zielinski for the Spontaneity Shop and Jeff Ring for Australian Comedy Management. Thanks to everyone at the Royalty Theatre as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. The thing is, yeah. if there's three of you, I feel like you've, you would feel you always have to be working. You know, a bit like, you know, have you, have you ever worked in a shop and you just, there's no one coming in, but you need to look busy. But if the boss, if the boss isn't there, you just pull up a stool and you chill the fuck out. But if the boss is there and there's another shop assistant there, you think, oh, she's doing something. I've got to do doing something, right? Deb! Why are you not the boss in your imagination? <laughs> do, you, do you think it's unfeminist that I'm not the manager of my own threesome? Yeah. I'm not even staff member of the month gang. <laughs> I'm the one who's trying to look busy when I'd really rather just be sitting down. But look oh. like I'm doing something. Like, there is a real... Do you know, this is the jet-lagged Deb because there's this real theme, like, the Women's March would be better if you could sit down. <laughs> what?
would be better if you could sit down. I'd have a threesome if I could sit down. <laughs> I told you, I'm saying things I really think. I told you. I told, listen, by the time I get to Melbourne, it'll be all buttoned up and structured jokes. <laughs> I, I'm liking this. I'm feeling, I'm feeling much more truthful here in Adelaide. This recording may never come out. Yeah. Um, this may be all edit. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.